We have now come to our catechism lesson. And we are now approaching that second half of which I've spoken of and the exaltation. And in this half, we will be discussing the latter part of the exaltation, what uh, composes it. Last week, I brought to you the resurrection and the importance, and you saw the gravity that it had on Paul. Today, I will bring to you what also is consisted in the exaltation, which is Christ's ascension, his sitting at the right hand of the Father, and coming to judge the world at the last day. So these pieces will be broken into three parts. Two point number one. For in Christ's exaltation, Jesus Christ, as I recalled again, in bodily form, rose from the dead on the third day. In his ascension, before he ascended up, he often appeared and conversed with his apostles and with others, speaking to them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I'll elaborate some more. The appearances to the apostles was just the account that the resurrection was made true by bringing further the compensation of what was spoken of by the prophets, all major and minor. Luke 24, 44 to 47 states, and I quote, Now he said to them, These are my words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, so it is written that the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. 40, verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And when he spoke to those, he spoke to those when it was necessary. I bring you one particular example, but there are a couple others in scripture. Luke 24, 13 to 35, Cleopas and his companion. If you recall that day, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, in the account in Luke, found that Jesus' tomb was empty, for the narrative had already carried forward throughout the land. So as Cleopas and his companion were speaking, a man arose and conversed with them as well, not knowing who he was. And it's to their amazement, as you will progress further around that passage, that you realize, how did he not understand what was transpiring? That this man claims to be the Christ, dies on the cross, his body is supposed to be buried in the tomb, and the women go to prepare what was the Jewish customs for preparing the body, and it's empty. In fact, the huge boulder that covered it was rolled <coughs> in a different position. How do you not understand and hear this? So then, the Messiah, speaking in kind, states in Luke 24, 25 to 27, you foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into his glory? And just like his apostles, again, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things that are written about himself in the scriptures. Aha, the Messiah is quite consistent. And note, when they had taken and they were stirred up, 
He, they stayed to the Messiah, please stay with us. And as the night came and the Messiah broke bread, only then, as it was revealed in Luke 24, 31, that their eyes are open and they recognized him. But, oh, too late. He's gone. So to this, I tell you, the things that the Messiah was showing was that even after he has rise and he is walking amongst his people, his duties and functions still carry forward. How so? Well, I'll note to you two particular ones. One, he still requires that his people repent of their sins. I bring to you John 24, 15 through 17. Recall, Peter states three times, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But then he asked that question a third time. Peter, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because he had asked a third time. And he stated to him, and I quote, Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And continues the second point, that in his continuing function, he wants his people to continue to heed his word. John 24, and I'm not going to read the full adage in 2018 to 23, but by verse 19, the Messiah makes very, very clear. Follow me. And note, just in going back to the adage in Luke 24 with Cleopas and his companion, you can note, what they were trying to transpire after the Messiah had vanished. For they stated, and I quote, were our hearts not burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? You see, my fellow brothers, I want you to know and understand that the very function by which the Christ resurrected and then speaking with his people in the same body that he was resurrected in. Before he makes his ascension, he shows that I am still continually with you. And be it as it may, before he visibly goes up, he gives his people, granted, the apostles, the commission by which to carry forward and to pass on to the church, which reads first in Mark 16, 15 through 16, he says to them, Go all into the world and preach the gospel to all the creation. The one who was, the one who has believed has been baptized and will be saved. But the one who has not believed will be condemned. Furthermore, we get the Jewish adage in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples to the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And again, like I said before in John, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. To finish point number one, the Lord Jesus said it, stated it eloquently. My words which I have spoken to you while I was with, still with you and that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets in the Psalms must be fulfilled. So therefore, the adage that was spoken in the old to show the harmony of the exemption was the promised hope, the promised hope that the people in the Old Testament had when it came with the Messiah. Psalms 68, 18. You have ascended on high. You have led captives your you have led captive your captives. You have received gifts from among people. Then it is now realized in the new, and is further explained by Paul in his Paulinian uh, uh, 
text in Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive the captives and he gave gifts to the people. Now, I want you to understand, Paul knew what David was speaking about in God's ascension. For he does not deny, but shows the express of a reverence of what? The kind of humiliation on part of God, which had to previously exist. And if you go back to my lesson that I gave with Christ's humiliation, you understand why it was important. For read now in verse 9. Now this expression, as this is Paul, Paul speaking, he ascended. What does it mean except that he also had to descend into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself, also who ascended far above all the heavens. For what reason? So that he might fulfill all things. Calvin gives this quite understanding. For he states when it comes to this kind of process and thinking, it is to this humiliation which Paul justly infers from the declaration that God had ascended. And for what time did God descend lower than when Christ emptied himself? Philippians 2, 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of man. So Calvin continues here. If ever there was a time when after appearing to lay aside the brightness of his power, God ascended gloriously. It was when Christ was raised from our lowest condition on earth and then received into heavenly glory. You see, the reason why I brought this up and trying to convey this is so that you can see as I'm closing my point. By Christ visibly going into the heavens in the highest of highest, he is there to receive gifts for men. For then, in his exaltation, can he properly raise our own affections. Note here in Colossians 3, 1 through 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Verse 2. Set your affections on things which are above and not the things which are on earth. Again, to continue, by visibly going into the highest heavens, he prepares a place for us. His elect, John 14, verse 3. This is the Messiah speaking. If I go and prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you will also be. Let's segue into point number two. For now, by visibly rising up, he now takes his rightful place by taking his seat and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Let's look at the harmony in the ode. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. And going and showing that being conveyed in the new. Acts 2, 33 to 34. Therefore, since he has been exalted at the right hand of God, he has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father. And he has poured out this 
which you both see in here. Let's add further to this point. For that in Christ being exalted at sitting as he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father, as the God-man, he advanced to the highest favor with the Father. So therefore, his intercession for us is evermore seen to be efficacious. Psalms, sorry, Philippians 2, 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Psalm 2, 5, verse 8. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will announce the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have fathered you. Ask it of me, and I will certainly give the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. And finally, Romans 8, 34. Christ Jesus is he who died, but was rather raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. So with all fullness of joy, the glory and the power over all things in heaven and on earth, as the God-man given the highest favor and the Christ being properly equipped, Sitting at the right hand of God the Father, he could continue to gather his church. He could continue to defend them by subduing their enemies. Let's continue to examine Ephesians 4 by verses 11 and 12. And he gave to some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the building of the body of Christ. And Psalms 2, I'm sorry, Psalms 110, and I'll continue finishing verses 1 and 2. Until I make your enemies a full stool at your feet, the Lord will stretch out your strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Finally, we now segue to point number three. It is then that in taking this position and again in the highest honor ever granted by sitting at the right hand of God the Father, can Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ in his coming again judge the world and judge them and condemn them by his righteousness. Acts 17, 31. Because he has set a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all people by raising him from the dead. And the judgment ranges to all, to those who were ashamed of his words. Luke 9, 26 for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. And when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. To those who committed the unforgivable sin, Matthew 12, 31 to 32. Therefore, the Messiah speaking, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Again, and, and whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. 
But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. And the penultimate transgression, that is the lack of love shown for his people and also to the lesser, meaning those who violated the law of God to God and to mankind, i.e., you violated the tablets, the first tablet and the second tablet. Matthew 25, 41 through 46. I don't have enough time to read the full thing, but you can see the way the Messiah has explained his abhorrence to sin. He states to the people on his left, depart from me, you accursed people. For when I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. So they posed the question, when did we not take care of you, Lord? And he said, I say to you, truly, truly, to the extent that you did not do it for the least of one of these, you did not do it to me either. You see, beloved, he is exalted with his second coming. For when he shall come again in the last day with great power and the full manifestation of his own glory and of his father's and with all his angels, with a shout, as we also saw, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God to judge the world in righteousness, I bring you this summar summarization in 1 Corinthians 15, 23-28. And it speaks just how I brought to you the resurrection in that first portion of the lesson, this last closing piece to show what harmony was to be made as the Messiah took on his exaltation. Christ, the first fruits. And after those who are at Christ at his coming, then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom to our God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. And that last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is clear that he excludes the father who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself, will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him. Why? So that God may be all in all. In conclusion, brothers, sisters, in the faith in Christ's exaltation, on the third day he rose from the dead with the same body in which he suffered, with which he also ascended into heaven. And there is now and forevermore, as he sits at the right hand of the Father, defends and gathers his people. For as he makes intercession for them, up until the day he is in his full manifestation of his glory, and his fathers and with all the holy angels shall, shall return to judge men and the angels at the end of the world.
we stand.